Emily. I'm an employer brand consultant at Get Your Guide, and you're listening to Talented, Get Your Guide's recruiting podcast. Now on to the interview. We are at episode six of Talented, our recruiting podcast, and we have our first hiring managers in the room. Very exciting. And so, Zimone Leandro, would you start just by introducing yourself? My name is Leandro. I work as an engineer manager uh, in the Discovery team. As engineer manager, one of my roles here is to pair with products to help prioritize based on the technical challenges that you might have in the platform. And on the other side, it's also help uh, growing engineers in the company. And uh, how can we empower them, coach them, and mentor them from a technical, business, and product point of view? Uh, since Discovery team is basically a team that is very customer oriented, it's not only technical skills that we require, but also product and business mindset. So this is basically my, my role as engineer manager, and also as engineer manager, help the whole uh, marketplace and also marketing departments to hire people, hire good engineers. I'm Simone, I'm the director of engineering for Marketplace. I joined Get Your Guide about a year ago. I'm on my second adventure in a high growth uh, startup uh, i had the previous one scaling from 50 engineers to 550 when i left i probably interview hundreds of people and hire <laughs> maybe close to 100 engineers uh, o- over the last five years uh, i've been in it software development for about 20 years i've seen many many iteration of uh, good companies bad companies uh, hiring highly talented people and uh, making compromises to hire faster and scale faster and uh, it's interesting to see uh, how Get Your Guide is doing it, and now we're keeping the bar high and uh, scaling the team. What percentage of your time would you say you're spending on recruiting activities? Yeah, I, I would say 35 to 40% of my time. Uh, it's not only doing interviews, it's making sure the funnel is healthy, making sure uh, the engineers get feedback or provide feedback uh, uh, regarding all the steps that you have from the technical and uh, uh, behavior point of view uh, during the funnel of the interview. Uh, and uh, basically, this is uh, the time that I spend uh, in hiring, 35 uh-huh. to 40%. Yeah, I probably spend 20-30% of my time. There is a lot of syncing up with the recruiter sources to make sure that the pipelines are good, that we have the right people in the, in the funnels. Uh, and then depending on uh, how many people we're hiring, I get involved in a lot of interviews, cultural interviews, not only for engineers, but also for product managers and uh, other UX roles. How much your time is spent thinking about hiring? <laughs> thinking about hiring is, uh, is like always, right? Especially our growth phase where we are fundamentally doubling the size of the team every 12, 18 months. Uh, you, have, you need to have a good strategy. You need to do a lot of things to make sure that you hire the right people. Uh, I've been involved with uh, organizing meetups, to sponsoring conferences, uh, building the brand. The technology brand is extremely important. I think it's getting easier for us as we raise more money and become a a more famous consumer brand. The tech brand is much easier to uh, to boost up. Uh, but there is, yeah, it's not only hiring and interviewing. There is a, a million other activities that we need to think of, uh, especially for the longer term. Right? If you want to have a, a much higher inbound uh, pipeline over the next two, three years, you need to work a lot more on getting yourself known in the market, in the engineering market. So the meetups, the conferences, the the podcast and uh, all these things. <laughs> yeah, one interesting topic that I'd like to also to mention is uh, the partnership that we need to do, not only with recruiters, but also our engineers uh, when it comes to the hiring process itself. 
uh, and also uh, uh, we can like do a relationship with uh, branding some of the funnels that we have from a technical point of view we try to uh, see problem solving skills and also architecture skills and also infrastructure skills and sometimes as an example during the architecture uh, code architecture uh, skills sometimes uh, our engineers realize the candidates not prepared so we also take the time to guide them and to teach them which for me it's also engineering branding because in the end it's an opportunity for share the learnings uh, from the, the candidates because they are taking into consideration new topics or uh, learning something from the interview process and also for our engineers to practice their sharing knowledge skills I would say it's not only about evaluating the candidates but also taking the opportunity to share the knowledge and I think that empowers also our brands mm -hmm. yeah I think I agree with you I think it's great when uh, someone gets rejected but then they tell their peers, oh, I had an amazing interview process, mm -hmm. I've learned a lot of things, and people are very, very competent. It's kind of a win situation anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. And sometimes you are so like worried about the short term. Engineer branding uh, has a huge long term, uh, I would say. One example, recently we hired someone. During the, the last step of the process, uh, the person, the candidate, told me, ah, I was uh, at Get Your Guide in a conference back to two years and a half ago. And during that conference, I liked the company, but at that time, I wouldn't like to move from my country to, to German, Germany. Uh, and after two years and a half, I felt like more mature and applied for Get Your Guide because like two years and a half ago, I had the contact with Get Your Guide in a conference. So like the life cycle uh, of uh, engineering branding, it's not visible in the short term, but for sure in the long term, it's something that uh, pays the value. Yeah, how do you promote your teams to focus on these long-term initiatives? Because you got to hire, you know, 30 people every quarter if they're across our whole Android. You know, like, we want to, if we could hire more, we would. Um, and we can't even hire 30. Like, it, So it's a really challenge of, like, the short-term, I just want to, you know, get my referrals or do my sourcing. But then there's, like, the long-term initiatives. Like, how do you motivate your teams to start working on some of these long-term initiatives? I think the, the long-term one are actually the easier one because I'm the more uh, uh, funny and interesting to do is about going at conferences, mm -hmm. talking to people. It's an opportunity to also learn uh, and network. Uh, so that stuff, I mean, there is a lot of people that have uh, always flag up, I want to go to these conferences, and we try and sponsor some of them. So it's something that they want to do anyway and just leverage that uh, with their presence on the ground. I think the, the short term is actually the, the, the crunching through or the, doing the, the code reviews and the interviews. Referrals is an interesting one because it can be very short term, but people don't generally build a new network of people every two months. Mm -hmm. So once you've gone through your network and referred to the people that are right, you're not going to build up another network of 100 people that you can refer. Right? And it's also about timing as well. Mm -hmm. the referral because you know when your friends are ready to move on or to take another opportunity and then it's about referring the right people at the right time uh, for them as well so it's, uh, it's not so simple yeah for me one thing that I do is specifically in our team sometimes we are solving a real challenge uh, on the discovery side and we build an architecture solve a problem and we always challenge each other I think this could be a exercise of one of architectures or problem solving skills uh, and we don't create artificial problems during the, the hiring process, but you can actually put a very good use case. Sometimes I challenge the team, if it's not for the hiring pro process, why not we share this learning eventually with other departments or in a meetup? So we had examples where some of the architectures that we built, the strategy that we took for 
uh, uh, solving a problem specifically, we presented in a meetup for external mm. audience. This also empowers the brand from a specific topic that we are solving here at Get Your Guide, specifically the discovery team, which is the main entry point of our travelers in our, in our side. So basically this uh, one, another thing that uh, I'm trying to push right now that we are going to focus is also writing blog posts from a technical point of view. I think these three uh, uh, different types of sharing knowledge uh, during the hiring process itself, uh, meetups and also writing blog posts are very good things that you can do in the short term. Mm -hmm. And with real examples, not only artificial examples. Yeah, I like this real example versus artificial. I mean, there, I think that there's, I've heard rumors of some, some uh, engineering organs that ask like these trick questions or that, or these um, kind of silly questions, you know, how many ping pongs can you fit in a yacht or something like this? Uh, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on, on you know, these, um, the companies that maybe practice these type of things like what advice would you give them when they're developing their interview questions my point of view it depends uh, if a company is really really tech oriented that they need to optimize a lot of things makes sense they do that but when they are building products uh, the architecture parts or how you solve that problem in a pragmatic way without over engineer and also without under engineering is the main skill that we need to look in an engineer so that that ability to uh, find the balance between pragmatism and problem solving is uh, how we try to design our process. And yeah, and I think this is how companies should uh, look like, not start from the so solution or for the test itself. Let's uh, see what is our context and build on top of that to like make sure that during the, our hiring process, we are very close to the reality. Otherwise you can have a re high risk to not hire the right person. Yeah, I agree. I think if I look at uh, all our different pipelines, we have different pipelines for uh, uh, engineer building uh, platform and products and engineers working on the infrastructure layer, uh, engineers working in uh, marketing, so dealing with a big set of data uh, and kind of the, the interviewing process has to be tailored for the for the type of person you're looking at because there are many, many different facets uh, and sometimes you need more pragmatism and sometimes you need people that uh, really care about engineering super well solutions because they need to last way longer. Mm -hmm. How do you not compromise? You know, when a company is growing really fast and there's that candidate that's just around the bar, <laughs> how do you, what kind of decision making do you go through or do you have a framework that, you know, that says like if they're not quite there, even though the, the, the interview is positive, we're willing to walk away from the candidate yeah. versus I'm really desperate, you know, you're also balancing the, we're desperate for people, we're trying to grow and do all these initiatives. What kind of goes through your mind? I think it depends. If the bar of the country isn't high enough on the engineering side or on the behavioral side, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and in which team they're gonna go to and how is the team formation in that team, right? Uh, what we end up doing every now and then is that we offer someone that came in for a senior job, we offer like a mid-level job, mm -hmm. because uh, we are very honest with people, we tell them, we don't think you are there from an engineering point of view, you need to grow, uh, so come and join us at a lower level and we'll help you to grow to the, to the next level. So that is how you mitigate your, uh, your risk, and if they actually are senior, they can move very, very fast up uh, the career ladder uh, uh, again, right? If they're not there from a cultural point of view, uh, it's much, much harder to change. Mm -hmm. So probably there is where you want to compromise a lot less. Mm -hmm. 
because if you take a risk in that, then you risk that they come in and they, they change the culture for the worse. And that would be a very, very bad thing, especially, again, as I'm saying, we're doubling the size of the team every 12 months. So every 12 months, we have more new people than old people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hiring for culture is extremely important because your culture will change over time with the new people that you hire. Yes, I agree with Simone. I think basically this is what we do. We go case by case and see, yes, this person can grow in that team. We, we take the risk, I would say, because we minimize this risk by having senior people already in that team. Uh, some other teams are already established uh, uh, on the problem they need to solve. Uh, since our business is very, very complex, we cannot stick with uh, 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 the same team set up forever, right? The business changes, the product changes, we need also to move forward. And also engineers, they need to have this ability uh, somehow. On the other side, sometimes when you don't have the senior people to join immediately, what we do is uh, we get in contact with them like six months later or one, one year later uh, and try to reach them out again. Yeah. Because it's sometimes the time that you have to mature your team and to make sure you can grow them. Yeah, as a as a recruiter, you know, I think this is something that's like very refreshing to hear. Hiring somebody who might be, um, you know, might not quite have all the technical skills that you're looking for, but has that like, you know, passion for you know the mission of the company or the mission of the work, or they really like are, are a great team fit. You know, like you know, not being technical, I don't know like how transferable like that attitude skills are, but like somebody who's a recruiter, like when you're talking with candidates as a recruiter, you're assessing the the behavior side as much as you possibly can, because if you could find a really strong team fit. Hopefully that person ends up being maybe the best employee on the team um, or one of the best employees, even if they didn't have all the technical knowledge, that somebody that may have come in with more technical knowledge but isn't a good team fit. You do see very frequently when you have very junior people or grads that mm-hmm. have got that eagerness to learn and to absorb and to, and to adapt. And they sometimes perform, their growth is sometimes incredible, right? Because yeah. they, if they have good senior around them, they absorb all the technical information in a very, very fast way, if culturally they're right, they're the right fit for the team. If culturally they're not right, if, if they're not learning, if they're not listening, if they're not observing, then uh, they don't grow as fast. And then it's harder to take the risk on those people that culturally don't fit. For me, it's also good to mention that uh, sometimes it's good to have a diversity within the team in terms of mindset. Sometimes you have the person who is more executor, somehow you have the person who Maybe don't execute fast, but uh, it's there, uh, pushing the team from a business point of view, make sure we are prioritizing right. So it's good to ha- also have this balance. And when you like look to someone from a cultural point of view, we see, okay, maybe it's not a culture fit in general, but if it's exposed to that team where we have a more diversity uh, in terms of opinions, I think it's worth the risk also to like evolve because in the end culture is not culture you can change by just changing people around you right people will follow you there is no silver bullet to say now you have a great culture it's just culture is built on top of attitudes that you have and people you follow i would say naturally so how much do you communicate with the recruiters like if you think that there's um some monoculture building within a team and you want to get more of a um, you know a diverse mindset or you know a diverse person awake within the team because you know you've, you've built this team uh and you're not finding that diverse culture like how much does it do you think about that and communicate that with the recruiting team so when they're assessing people in the beginning stages they know what they're looking for 
Yeah, I think at the moment that that is more of an opportunistic thing. So it's more of a seeing who is coming in and seeing which team they fit the most. Mm-hmm. I think on the engineering manager pipeline, we're hiring more engineering managers. We're, we're now keeping the Rooney rule. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to diversify and hire female engineering managers because uh, we don't have any. Uh, and I think it's good for us as a company to have some because they bring in a different kind of mindset. Uh, so in that case, we communicate very clearly with the recruitment and sourcing team that we're not going to make any more offer to male candidates until we've taken a female to the end of the interviewing process. Uh, and that is more like guardrails that, that you need to establish in very special circumstances. Uh, but I think normally it's more of an opportunistic approach of let's see who is coming in and if they don't fit in a team, is there another team where they can fit? Yeah, it's, as Simone mentioned, this is, uh, we, we aim in the beginning for the whole culture point of view of the company. As the candidate moves, you have more clarity also uh, regarding the candidate itself because you already talked to him or her uh, in the previous steps and we can see where we can uh, direct the candidate or diversify which team should go and we involve also all the higher managers uh, in, the, in that step. Like, and we try before the onsite interview with our pool on interview mm-hmm. to get a best yeah. feel for that. So then when the candidate's making their way into an onsite interview, they should they should have a yeah. good understanding of like who the manager is or what team they might be joining. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, the remote, the remote step are three steps. So you have the either the sourcer or the recruiter, then there is a technical uh, test where we basically look at the tech test and review the tech test and talk to them to see if technically they're competent, and then there is a pool owner interview, which is more about assessing the culture and the and the personality of this person. And then after that, all of that happens remotely, then after that there is the on-site interview. And in between the remote and the on-site, we basically define who is gonna be the manager of this person, which team are they a better fit for. Uh, sometimes we even go back to them with the options on, uh, we think you could fit into team A, B, and C, what is your preference? I think it's good to find a match uh, on both sides. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, just to complement, uh, this is exactly when we partner with the recruiters. So recruiters, like, we do kind of small debrief. Like, I, I think this candidate is good in this, this and that. So we, like, see which teams we have here and uh, we elaborate uh, on top of that to define together uh, where the candidate should go. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good practice because uh, you know I know that a lot of companies will interview the person even through onsite and then try to do team fit at, at the offer stage, which is which is really late in the process and uh, and and also some companies have recruiters trying to assess team fit from the very first call and you know so I think that partnership and incorporating the the hiring manager before the onsite and talking with candidates um, is a better candidate experience as well because you should know who a potential either manager is going to be or what you're going to potentially be working on um, you know, before you go into an onsite or, or at least have a good idea. So we try to prep our, our candidates um, you know, appropriately.